Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Welcome to our second episode in our Great North Run Nutrition Milestone series. We've got lots to share with you today to help you be consistent with training, nutrition, and recovery. Our focus on nutrition is to help you plan what and when to eat pre and post easy runs up to 90 minutes. So let's get started. Welcome to our Great North Run Nutrition Milestone Series, dedicated to supporting everyone training in the 2022 Great North Run with food and nutrition tips. This is for you if you've got a place in this year's Great North Run and it's your first half marathon, or perhaps you're experienced in half marathons but haven't focused on nutrition before now. So whether this is your first half marathon or your 10th, we aim to support you in being Great North Run ready over the next 16 weeks with strategically timed nutrition tips and advice at every stage of your training plan. We want you to be fit and fueled for race day. We'll share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. We'll be covering run training milestones, nutrition milestones, rest and recovery rituals, injury healing and recovery tips, mindset mojo, and some great North Run fun and factoids. Each episode, we will build on the previous episode, so by the time the event day arrives, you're going to feel race ready. And although we're tracking this iconic event, we're sure you'll find the information interesting and helpful for any half marathon preparations. We'd love you to share this episode with your running friends so that they can benefit from the nutritional insights given in this milestone series. We do hope you find our advice helpful. Let us know how you're progressing on your training. We'd love to hear from you. And you can reach us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. And we'd ask you to listen to the end of the episode as we've got a special offer for you. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back everyone. I'm Karen and I'm here with Aileen for the second episode in our Great North Run Milestone series. It's 12 weeks now until race week so uh, time is moving on and uh, we hope you're following a consistent training plan and that your health and nutrition foundations are now in place. And just as a reminder really our expertise is in the realm of nutrition, as you all know. So when we are talking to you about other aspects of run training, we are speaking from our experience as runners. Um, We're not running coaches or sports therapy practitioners. Um, We can recommend them to you. We could recommend experts if you 
if you need more specific advice, so do let us know. And also a reminder that if you'd like additional support, do check out our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program and um, use our special discount code, which is RACE, R-A-C-E, to get the program for only £97 during this um, these milestone series that we're, we're um, releasing. And all the details you will find out at the end of the episode anyway. So Aileen, what have we got planned to discuss today? Hi, Karen. Hi, everyone. Um, well, we're going to follow a, a very similar format to our last Great North Run episode, which was episode 98, just in case you're here for the first time and you'd like to go back and listen. Um, so as as always, we're going to start with run training milestones. So just really checking in on where you are now and where you should be in your training plan to keep you on track. Um, then we're going to look at nutrition milestones. And today we're going to chat about what time of day you'll be running and what you should eat pre and post easy training runs. Then we're going to go on to talk about um, some recovery uh, rituals. So pre and post stretching um, is the topic of today and also using a foam roller. And then the next topic is DOMS. So that's delayed onset muscle soreness and uh, just a few tips on how you can recover from that. And then we're going to um, move on to Mindset Mojo. And today we're looking at the importance of consistency in training and nutrition plans and getting your mind right around that, really. And then, um, like we did last time, we're going to finish off with some uh, Great North Run fun and factoids. Excellent, Aileen. That sounds really good to me. I'm looking forward to this. So let's get started, Aileen, um, with the running training milestones. What can you tell us? Okay, well, let's just recap on where we left off last time. So um, when we, we talked in the last episode, we suggested it would be really supportive to have a, a run training plan mapped out and it, within that plan to include a long run once a week and um, also to include two or three shorter runs, um, but also within the plan to make sure you have one full rest day. And on the other days, um, you know, run days or non-run days to undertake some what we call active recovery. So that's the lighter non-endurance exercise and activity, which really supports overall um, fitness and recovery. Uh, and as you said, Karen, we're around the 12 weeks away from the race. So as you say, it's coming up fast. And, uh, you know, this time of year, people start having summer holidays too. So that can also reduce the time that you've got available maybe to focus on your training. Um, and as you know, I'm following the ASICS uh, half marathon plan. So at this stage, they suggest um that you should be doing one 4K easy run and two 8K easy runs a week. Um, so nothing too arduous, but just, um, you know, getting into a nice uh, consistent routine. And they also um, suggest you should have at least one cross training session, uh, but they regard the other days as rest days. So they tend to have one day on running, one day off running. Um, and last week, um, the plan was... Um, the, the, the long run was a little bit wrong, longer. It was 9K. Um, so I'm not following it exactly like that, but I think it just gives people an idea of the distances 12 weeks before the race that you should be covering. 
Okay, so really the focus is on light, easy running. And the key is that you have a routine in place so that your run training schedule just kind of happens. Um, if a runner is struggling um, to get a plan in place, Aileen, what, what advice would you give? Because that can happen sometimes, just sort of getting into that routine. Yeah, it can be a bit overwhelming just mapping out a plan and then actually mm-hmm. following it is the next challenge, isn't it? Um, so, so what I tend to do, I motivate myself by having a countdown plan. So I always know how many weeks it is to race day. And I even type it into my online calendar. So, you know, on a Monday morning, it'll say X number of weeks to the Great North Run. And you could call that motivation by fear or by incentive, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, and I usually have it mapped out on a piece of paper too. Um, so it's just in my consciousness all the time. And for me, I, I just find with anything in life, if I put it in my diary, it's almost like I've made a commitment to myself and I do it. Uh, whereas if I have a vague plan, it just doesn't happen. Um, so what I would say is if you've got to this point and you haven't got a plan, um, stop the clock after today's episode and spend an hour mapping out your plan so that you can make it happen. Um, but if you do have a plan and you just haven't executed it, so you just haven't got out the door, um, then what I'd suggest you do is start to think about what are the barriers that are stopping you? Um, You know, it could be a variety of different things. Maybe it's the time of day you've chosen to run. Maybe it's just too busy at that point in the day or there's things that can happen to stop you doing it. So would it be better to choose a different time of day to run or indeed different days of the week? Um, You might also be better off if you had a running buddy or somebody to keep you accountable. So, you know, not everybody is fortunate enough to be able to run with somebody else at the same pace. So that can be challenging. Um, But I know when I did my first Great North Run, when I did my long runs, I I was doing everything on my own. But I used to phone somebody afterwards and say, oh, my God, I've just done nine miles. Oh, my God, I've just done 10 miles. And it was just a way of me, you know, just you know shouting out what I'd done really um so that I think you know having some accountability can also help for motivation as well as making sure that you're going to do it um and also my other tip would be once you've got a plan if it doesn't happen one day you know you've missed a training run for whatever reason you need to really reschedule it so you know if you've missed your Monday run you need to like look at your diary and think well when else am I going to do it this week um, and also I think remembering your big why you know we talked about that last time you know why are you doing the great north run um, what is your goal so really focus in on your goal and think about how you're going to feel when you've achieved it um, so and and also my the thing another motivator for me is I always think about if I don't put the training in how awful I'll feel mm. and I never want to feel awful. <laughs> so yeah. I just say you know physically awful. I mean you know so if I go to a race unprepared, um, and I know lots of people do that and maybe they can just push through, but that uh, that doesn't really work for me. Um, so I'd much rather feel great. And so when I'm feeling the resistance that I don't want to do something, I just think, come on, Aileen, remember, you know, this is to make you feel great, not to make you feel awful. Um, so that, that would be my, um, suggestions to how you can maybe get over the, the resistance to training. And do you have any things that you do, Karen? 
Yeah, I do actually, Aileen. I have a few rituals as well that just kind of means that I get up out of bed and just go. And one of them is um, I'll get my my running kit ready the night before. And I just find that, you know, you saying writing it down just means you'll do it. For me, if I've got the kit looked out the night before, it just means I've got to get up, put it on and off I go. I don't have to go and find all the stuff. So that to me is a real incentive. Also, um, I'll arrange my long run with my running partner. You were saying about that, having a running buddy. And um, and both of us find it really, really supportive if we run with each other during the long runs because we can chat to each other, which can take our minds away from the miles. Um, so that's a really good one. And um The other thing I tend to do is arrange something nice to do after my run so that I can I can think about it during my run. Now, it might be go out for a nice breakfast with the family, take the dog for a nice walk or just think about going and and having a bath, something like that. That I just think, oh, yes, that's that's what I'm aiming for at the end. And sometimes also if I'm doing um, the long runs on my own, I use the time as an opportunity to to say, listen to a podcast that I've maybe not had time to do. Now, sometimes it's our one, um, just to sort of check out, check it out. And um, but then sometimes it'll be uh, somebody else that I, I like to listen to as well. And and that can help take the the focus away from the miles that I have to complete as well. You know, by the time I've listened to an episode, I think, oh, oh, I'm here already. So 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 I really like that. And also having a, a running music list. And just having, I don't always use it because I do like to concentrate on my running. Um, but sometimes if it's, I'm finding it particularly hard to get out there, I'll take the music with me. And um, within a few miles, I'm I'm into the music and, I, and I'm um, I'm in, in my zone again. So, uh, so just, you know, a few ideas that might actually help, help some of you out there if you're having difficulty with the motivation or the or the commitment um and and you know some of you might already be in your zone and um and all sorted but it can be quite hard um when when especially if it's your first time in training so you're not used to having that training plan so hopefully these um, motivational ideas will be helpful now by this point in your training um, you were saying, Aileen, you should be running about eight, nine, 10K twice a week. Um, so, Aileen, thinking about that, where would this milestone be on the Great North Run? Yeah, well, on the route, you'll be around about the five mile marker. I, I always like it's funny, isn't it? You sort of you switch between uh, kilometers and miles always as a runner um, but, uh, but on the great north run I always focus on miles so you'll be around the five mile marker and so you'll have run uh, along the felling bypass um, on the last episode we talked about getting to Heworth roundabout which is a sort of a, a major landmark really and you'll you'll probably have noticed the metro station there and the sort of a a bridge that goes over the road too so you'll have had some people waving at you from the bridge um so by this point on the run um what you'll have done is is really run along the dual carriageway and both sides of the dual carriageway are used by runners and it will feel busy um but i really think this is the time to settle in you know you've got over the excitement of the start you've come across the bridge um and then you can just sort of concentrate on your running um even though you know there's a lot of people around you 
Um, now, if you're on the right-hand side of the carriage, um, further along the road, you're going to get filtered off to the left side. Um, now, I always run on the right-hand side because there are trees there. And it was a tip that somebody gave me years ago about it being shadier on the right-hand side because there's a lot of trees. So on a sunny day, that can be really helpful, um, you know, unless you're somebody who likes the hot weather and, and that kind of thing. Um but what you'll find is when you then start, you start to get filtered off onto the um, the other side of the carriageway. You know, you're converging, so there's like two uh, full <laughs> dual carriageways full of people trying to get down to one. Um, so that's another thing to just be aware of, and that's around about the six mile marker, and that's a place called Whitemere Pool. You'll see that when you get your your map of the Great North Run, you know, you get a, a little brochure through the post uh, with your run number a few weeks before the race, and you'll see it all mapped out there. Um, so again, that's, you know, once you get to that point, you know, you, you're not quite halfway there, but it's, uh, it, it's beginning to feel like you, you've, you know, you've put the miles in. Mm, absolutely. You're almost at halfway, aren't you? So like mm. you say, you've really settled into the run by this time. Um, but Aileen, as you speak, I'm just wondering, how does it feel um, with so many runners around you? Some people like it, some people don't. Yeah, well, it, I think if it's your first Great North Run and if you've never been in a mass event before, it, it can feel a bit overwhelming and crowded at times. Um, and it can be difficult to find your pace with so many people around. Um, it really depends on what zone you've been allocated to. Um, you know, the um, I mean, it's pretty busy the whole way. But if you're in an earlier zone, you, you're with experienced quite fast runners and and so everybody goes at the same pace if you're in a further back zone um like i was right when i did my very first one because you you when you enter you you'll put in your estimated time and i'd never done a half marathon before so i, I just put in a, t a time off the top of my head and i think i put in three hours and i ended up with all the fancy dress runners at the back which was you know <laughs> which which was interesting i have to say yeah. and it um it was good to see all these people around me but you're running with a whole host of different people and particularly the people that are in the fancy dresses you know they're wearing heavy costumes and they inevitably run a bit more slowly so it can be uh, that can slow you down and then the other thing you, you know you might have wheelchair uh, people and they've got people pushing them so again that can slow you down but you know my advice is um, just be patient if you are slowed down and you know within a, a minute or so you'll you'll find your gap and you'll be able to move in front of people and you'll be able to uh, find a space and overtake so um mm. Yeah, just I think go with the flow and not don't worry about it. I think that's what I would say. If you if you're a little bit slow at, at various points, you'll pick it up um, later on. Yeah, yeah, I do think that you know when you are running in a a famous therefore very busy race, a bit like the Great North Run, it can really have its its ups and downs. You know, I've run the London Marathon, which clearly is another iconic um, race, and and I have to say, if for me it's just too large an event. I don't like the crowds of of, of runners, and um and I get really frustrated at that stop start and slow down pacing that you're speaking. About Aileen and that 
in, in the London Marathon, you know, that happens by quite a few miles at the beginning of the event. So, and it, like you say, it's about trying to find your space and overtaking, but you just can't find the space sometimes. And also in the London Marathon, because you're, you know, some of the roads in London are quite narrow. So you've got all these people kind of spread out and all of a sudden they're converging down these these narrow roads and that can be a frustrating point Um as, as well and I I'm one of these people I just like to find my pace and just be able to maintain it um, but I think I do need to maybe take a leaf out of your book Aileen and just kind of embrace it for what it is um, if I'm if and when I'm entering these big races and just go with the flow so to speak the flow yeah flow. yeah I think I think it's a it's good it's a good attitude really and then you're not going to get frustrated yeah. and um, yeah that's the best way to deal with it I yeah think. yeah I'll bear that in mind, Daily. Okay, so let's um, now think about our nutrition and what we should be paying attention to, really, in this phase of our training. So last time we talked about the importance of the nutrition foundations, and we, we asked you to check that you were sort of eating regularly, ensuring that you were eating protein at every meal and also that your plate was balanced at every meal. So as we always suggest, the quarter plate of protein quarter plate of complex carbohydrates and then that half a plate of um, non-root vegetables and also thinking about including healthy nutrient-dense snacks um, which combine protein and carbohydrates but only if required only if you're feeling really hungry minimizing the junk and processed foods and also practicing drinking water whilst running so those were the key things we we sort of asked you to consider and think about last time so Aileen bringing it up to date what should we be considering now regarding nutrition okay well at this stage of uh, your running and the distances that you're doing the healthy everyday nutrition including all the aspects that Karen's just mentioned um, should be helping you to feel healthy and energetic and it'll be more than enough to fuel the easy training sessions and the distances around 10k so that's that's the good news um and what we can do at this stage is start thinking about adapting our nutrition for runs above 90 minutes in duration now some people will be able to run much farther in in um, 90 minutes than others and that's why um, we sort of focus on time rather than distance when we start thinking about nutrition for training runs so, um, you know, as I said, it's likely that your long runs are going to be around about the 90 minutes. Um, but it's a it's a good time to or, or so, sorry, what I'm saying really is that you at this stage, you know, you might be you know, you could be covering 10K much faster. So you might not need anything at this stage. But if you're a slower runner, maybe you're hitting the 90 minutes. Um, but I, I think that, you know, it, at this point in your training, it's a good idea to start thinking about this aspect of nutrition now, and then you'll be prepared for the next phase in a, in a month or so. Um, so I think that the areas probably to focus on uh, thinking about today are what time of day do you do your training, uh, do your training runs, and what you should, you should eat pre and post easy training so I mean everything is regarded really as easy training at the moment and then in future episodes you know episode three four and five we're going to be uh, developing those concepts that are related to longer runs so I think if we start with thinking about the time of day people might be doing their training runs 
Karen up. Could you give us some advice on what they could be eating at those different times of day? Yeah, absolutely. So so if we were to think about the early morning running runners, so that the you know, the people who are getting up and out first thing in the morning, you might want to think about trying um our running in the fasted state that we speak about. Now this means going out for your run. Uh, following an overnight fast, so you haven't eaten since your meal last night, you fasted overnight, and then um, not having any breakfast and just going out and running. So the benefits of running in the fasted state it, it is because it really allows for that higher level of fat oxidation, so that using fat as fuel. Um, and Um, What I would say is that this is only beneficial during exercise performed at low to moderate intensity. Um, And I would say should only be done two to three times a week. So it's for those easy run days, really, sort of just getting up in the morning, getting out and running and then coming back and having um, your your um, appropriate breakfast. So. Also, um, over time, exercising in the fasted state can um, help increase that relative intensity at which that maximal fat oxidation occurs. And as we know, that efficient use of fat as fuel could really help support optimal body composition, but also help to preserve glycogen stores, which is especially important in endurance running and will really support you on race day um, when you are doing that really long run. So, um, so yeah, so thinking about that fasted state running first thing in the morning would be um, a piece of advice from me, Ailey. Yeah, and I, I guess it's it's only if if you're planning to do those early morning runs. You, yes, you know you don't have to plan to do an early morning run, although lots of people like running at that time of day. Mm. And mm. if you are running at that time of day, then try fasted state because it is going to be. Um, a bit supportive to you. Um, So just to recap, uh, faster state running should be in the morning before breakfast and for those low intensity runs under 90 minutes. And when you complete your run, uh, you should just eat your normal healthy breakfast based on the plate balance concepts that we've talked about. And it's okay to drink water before and during your run on a fasted state run. Um, Okay. Yeah, and you were saying, Aileen, about sort of running at other times of the day, it might not be sort of first thing in the morning. So for those other times of the day, really what you should be looking at is scheduling your pre-run meal, whether that is your breakfast, your lunch or your evening meal, and scheduling that to be roughly about two hours before your your run, just to allow plenty of time um, for digestion so that you don't have any digestive symptoms. Now, sometimes it's tricky to schedule a meal to fit that time frame. For instance, say if you like a late afternoon run or an early evening run um, before your evening meal. So what I would say in these instances would be um, to, to plan a food snack, maybe one to two hours before you go for your run um, and then eat afterwards. And then if you're uh, planning to eat your snack, 
two hours before you run, your snack then should be a combination of protein and the complex slow-release carbohydrates because you've got time to digest that if it's two hours before. Remember, if it's the if it's closer to the time of the running, that's when it needs to be more quick-release carbohydrates. So just some examples of protein-carbohydrate snack ideas are maybe a protein smoothie. And I really like to mix a scoop of protein powder with um, almond milk and maybe some frozen mango, something like that. Or if you prefer your energy, you could have um, something like wholemeal toast with nut butter and banana slices or maybe an egg, um, porridge or overnight oats with seeds and berries or maybe a homemade flapjack with nuts and dried fruit. So lots of different ideas depending on, on your taste buds and also at what time of the day you're training. Yeah, and I mean, some of the things you mentioned there, Karen, sound like breakfast foods, but for a, for a runner's snack that can be eaten at any time of the day, exactly. uh, which is always great to know, isn't it? Yeah. We, it's thinking can, outside uh, the box, isn't it? You know, you yeah. don't have to schedule everything around what is ex- is expected or, or the uh, accepted breakfast, lunch and dinner type food. Yeah, eat outside the box. I like that yes. idea. Okay, so um, what about... Um, some food ideas, Karen, if uh, if somebody has less than two hours before their run? Yeah, so like I was saying, if you are eating, um, say, less than an hour before starting your run, then maybe having something that's more quick release and, and just having the carbohydrate, um, just to ensure f- that you're getting that that speedy digestion and absorption to support you as you, as you as you run. So examples of quick release carbohydrate snacks would be fresh fruit um it's sort of thinking about your tropical fruit so banana pineapple mango papaya all of these foods are are a really good quick release healthy snack ideas a dried fruit so maybe um two medjool dates or maybe around 40 grams of raisins and that will provide a whopping 13 grams of carbohydrates actually it's um it's it's really quite high um for such a small amount of food and then uh, bars and gels as well um and the brands that we like are the most natural ones of course um and um we like to choose the most natural ones that you can actually find on the market. So the likes of um, Honey Stinger, Fella Forte, Huma, Tribe, and also, as many of you will know, we're always advocating Ella Kitchen, Ella's Kitchen um, fruit pouches. Um, and they also do savoury ones. Um, one in particular that I know of is the is the sweet potato one, and um, and that's a really good one. So you know, it's it's sort of trial it and see which of those um, suits you best and you enjoy the most. Great. Good. That's great ideas there, Karen. So um, I just thought it would be good to give an example about how that might work in practice. So, um, you know, say I have my normal lunch about 1pm and, um, and my evening meal about 7 in the evening and I was planning to go out for a run around 6 o'clock. Um, I could plan to have a protein carb snack around four o'clock. So that would be two hours before my run. Or I could have a quick release carbohydrate snack between five and 5.30 before my run. So that just gives people an idea of how to plan that in. Um, and, and also a, another tip that um, we've shared with, with various different runners is, 
you know, that you could always split your meal around your running. So some runners choose to have half of their meal before the run and half after. So, you know, particularly in the evening, that works well. You know, so if you've you've prepared some food, you might want to eat a small amount of it, go out for your run and then have the rest later. Um, so there's some um, some tips there. Um, so now what we've got to think about is, you know, over the next four weeks, your long run distance is going to be increasing from about eight to 14 kilometers. So that's just under nine miles. So if you're running a 10 minute mile, you'll be at the 19 minute duration. Or if your mile per hour is higher, then you'll be running for more than 90 minutes. So that's the point where we will really need to start introducing and practicing the pre, during and post fueling related to your actual run. Um, but it'd be great if everybody could just get into the habit of making sure they're fueling adequately around their meals and snacks for the for the easy runs. And then you're going to be in a good place to do the things that we're going to share with you in the next episodes. Yeah. So really what we're suggesting for this month is that you you focus your eating um, on eating a meal or one of the types of snacks that we've talked about prior to each run. Um, so just think about that going forward. So Aileen, before we move on, shall we just take a quick advert break and then we can talk about rest and recovery? Yeah, so this is uh, the moment in the episode where Karen and I take a minute just to talk to you about what we do outside of the podcast. Um, and during, um, you know, the, this series, this Great North Run series of episodes, uh, we're going to be helping you to know what to eat pre, during and after a training run and race. And we do focus on this topic a lot in our episodes um, because if you get this right, you're going to be fitter, faster and stronger. And you're also going to recover quickly, ready for your next run. Um, and to help um, all of our listeners across all of our episodes, um, what we've done is, is design a, a nutrition guide as a companion to our episodes. And it's called Top Running Snacks and Nutrient Timing. And it's a PDF ebook and it lists all our suggestions of what to eat pre, during and post run training. Um, so we really encourage you to uh, download that um, ebook from our website. We've had more than a thousand runners download the guide so far and we've had great feedback. And it's really there to give you a quick reference so you can quickly put our suggestions into action next time you go out for a run. So if you'd like the free nutrition guide, all you need to do is visit our website, runnershealthhub.com, look at the top menu bar for free nutrition guides um, select the the ebook, pop in your email, and we'll send over uh, the free guide to you. So we really hope that that's going to help you um, along this Great North Run uh, journey. And uh, let us know how you get on with the suggestions. Um, we always love to get some feedback. Great, thanks, Aileen. So let's now think about your rest and recovery plans. In the last episode, we talked about the importance of a full rest day no run day and that's to allow your muscles to uh, repair and also help reduce the risk of injuries and we also touched on adding active recovery into your weekly plan too and this is really to help you keep moving maintain your fitness and help you by 
bounce back um, um, and allow your body to bounce back after a hard running session. So really, really important as part of your of your um, training plan. So continuing on that theme, what we're going to do is um, we're going to talk about pre and post run stretching and using the dreaded foam roller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder how many of us have a guilty secret about not doing our pre and post stretching. And um, yeah, I'm sure, you know, that varies from time to time. So uh, we're going to talk about what we should do and why. And hopefully that'll give us all the motivation to uh, do our uh, pre and post stretching. So having a pre run stretch is there to help warm up muscles and get blood flowing. And um, having a few minutes of dynamic stretching will really help um, important uh, muscles around the calves, the hamstrings, your back, and also your hip. So dynamic stretch, stretching, if people haven't done it before, is where you move through a, a range of motions, often in a manner that looks a bit like an exaggerated version of the activity or sport that you're going to uh, perform. Um, so for runners, things like front and back leg swings, lateral leg swings, dynamic quad stretches, uh, forward and reverse lunges are good, um, also with an upper body rotation, um, a goblet squat um, or side lunges. So all of these can be really helpful. Um, and you can, you know, if you want to Google some videos, you'll you'll find um, people doing demonstrations of them. And, uh, you know, or you can ask your PT or coach to help you put together a series of stretches that are ideal for you. Um so I would suggest, you know, you only need a, a few minutes. Yeah, so five to 10 minutes. And that might seem a lot, um, but you do get the benefits of it when you're actually out running. And I was reading a, an article in this month's Runner's World and Mo Farah was talking about what his pre and post um, routines are. And he talked about including dynamic stretches as well. Um, so I'll put a link in the um, in the show notes for a, a good blog that I found that has also some videos. Um, and the other thing that I'll do is instead of just running straight from the door, I'll do a brisk walk for a couple of minutes just before I start running. So just to the end of the road, and that helps me get warmed up. Um, so that's what, what I do. Um, Karen, have you got any insights into post-run stretching yeah I think it's it's really just as important to have a post-run stretch as it is to do pre-run stretching and and it's really to target areas that can frequently get tight during and after running and some suggestions for static stretches so it doesn't have to be so dynamic after you've been running because everything's warmed up so you can be more static stretching and ones that I'm thinking of would be again really hitting the same muscles clearly as you've spoken about already Aileen but the hams the hamstring stretch a quad stretch a calf stretch and I think a calf stretch one is one that a lot of people do tend to ignore but if you get tight calves then that can affect sort of knees and can affect hips it can affect all the other muscles um sort of leading up into the smaller back also a low lunge stretch um, and that's really good for the hip flexor muscles uh, it band stretch because the it band is notorious for um 
for getting tight. And um, and that starts at the hip and goes right down to the knee. So it's a really long um, stretch of, of soft tissue, the IT band. And again, if that is really tight, can lead to hip issues and knee issues. And then the butterfly stretch. So that really stretches the inner thigh and the groin area. So so just some ideas of, of stretches to incorporate after you've done your run. Yeah, great, great idea, Sir Karen. And I, I could tell where you were talking that you you were um, talking from experience with some of those stretches. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's definitely important to do. And, and just another point to make the the advice is to do dynamic stretches before and static stretches after, because the the static stretches don't help you warm up, and and I believe can be almost uh, detrimental so it's it's better to just think dynamic first and then the mm-hmm. the static afterwards so Karen what would you share your um you know what's your routine when you come in from a run so from the door uh you know from the doorstep onwards what comes mm-hmm. first is it food or stretching or as a shower and bath uh what's the best order um well my order is um definitely uh quick release carbohydrate snack and um, a glass of water within minutes really of um of finishing my um my run uh, followed by stretching um and some rolling as well actually and I know we're going to speak about that a bit later and usually I'm doing this whilst I wait for the for the bath to fill so actually that would be the first thing I do is go up and fill the and start the bath running have something to eat at the same time and then do my stretching and rolling whilst it's filling. Um, I always put magnesium salts in the bath really to just carry on helping the relaxation of the tight muscles. And then after my bath, I'll rub in. um, I use doTERRA's deep blue muscle repair gel. I find it really, really helpful. Or I'll use the Better You Magnesium Spray. It's another one that I I use and and I like. So um, so that would be my my routine, Aileen. The only thing I would shift sometimes is um, I might do my stretching outside the house before I come in. So that would be before the food, only because I find if I do it before I enter the house, it'll definitely get done. But sometimes if it's the shorter runs, if I wait till I'm in the house, I start to eat, I get distracted and it doesn't happen. So um, so that might be a tip for others, actually, is to do the stretching in the garden before you get into the house. Yeah, yeah. And I tend to do the you know, the magnesium salt bath after a long run, because on other days, it's like, you know, you've been out for a short run, you're just going to jump into the shower quickly, aren't you? So um, yeah, yeah, good good advice. Yeah. Okay, Aileen. So let's talk about this dreaded ruler. Um, But, uh, you know, I say that it's dreaded, but I have to say it's a really good tool to to, to use and really effective. Um, And really what it's doing, it's it's a method of Self-myofascial release, really, and um, studies have shown that the the best results occur when you use the foam roller for between 30 to 90 seconds on each muscle and then combine that with the static stretching. So do both. And what I would say, some of my tips would be um Really use slow and deliberate motions. Um, so you really try and find that trigger point. Um, don't hold your breath. 
keep breathing, uh, breathe normally. And also you could think about deeping, breathe, uh, breathing deeply into it because that can then sort of help release the, the tightness, release the pain that you might be feeling. And then you can roll more deeply. Start with a really gentle amount of pressure. And then as you breathe into it and the pain releases a bit, then you can gradually increase that pressure. Uh, Spend one to two minutes on each muscle, but I would say no longer than that. And also avoid injured areas. If if you do have a a severe injury, it's not just a tight muscle, then you don't want to be rolling over it. So those, those would be my tips. What about you, Aileen? Oh, well, my tips to have the roller in a visible place so you don't forget to use it because <laughs> uh, you know how many people have them and they're tucked in a corner somewhere. So um, try not to trip over it, but have it somewhere where you know that you're going to do do it. And mm-hmm. it, I, it's one of those, uh, you know, it's hell, but at the same time, you do get a relief from it. So yeah. um, you're always glad you've done it, even though you don't want to. Um, and again, you know, you can watch videos by sports professionals or or get some supervision from your PTO coach so you know that you're using uh, the roller correctly. And again, I've got a, a link that I'll put into the show notes so that people can easily find what, what I've found. Okay, so um, let's move on now and have a very brief chat about injury and recovery. Um, so last time we talked about the importance of dealing with aches and pains and niggly injuries quickly um, uh, and also, you know, taking the opportunity to, to consult with your local physio or sports therapist so that you're dealing with something before it gets into being a, a major issue. Um, and we also talked about checking that your running shoes are fit for purpose. But it did strike me after our episode, Karen, that socks are pretty important too. Mm. And I mean, if you're a beginner, maybe you haven't thought about that. But if you're a more experienced runner, I imagine you'll be obsessed with socks and um, you'll have your favorite brand. Uh, mine are Tholos. And I I do not wear anything else. So I, and I buy new, I buy new, whenever I get a new pair of running shoes, I replace my socks as well, which can be quite an expensive thing. Mm. Uh, but I find that it's, uh, you know, it just makes me feel good. So, yes. so do you have a favorite brand, Karen? I do, Aileen. Yes, my favorite brand is Hilly. And I like them because they're really cushioned. You get some brands that they've got like this double lining, but I don't like that. The the Hilly ones are just really cushioned, or I think they might have both, but I like the cushioned ones. And they're also molded to left and right foot. And so the fit, I find, is really, really good. But what I have just done is purchase some compression socks uh, for the first time. Actually, I see lots of people when I'm out running, especially trail runs, wearing compression socks, but I've never tried them. So I thought I would give them a go and see if I've been suffering with shin splints. So I just thought I would maybe see if that that helps. So I'll let you know what I think of them in a future episode. And the brand that I've purchased is Compress Sport. And I can't tell you anything about them because I've never used them before, um, but they were recommended in the in the 
uh, running shop that I went into. So um, so I'll watch the space. Yes, watch this space indeed. Yes. yes. Okay, so what we're going to do today is just speak briefly to you about DOM. So that's delayed onset muscle soreness, as Aileen said at the beginning. Now, we did do a whole episode on this topic way back, episode 15, um, Nutrition to Solve DOM. So you might find it really helpful to go back and, and listen to that. Now, really, DOM's results from um, performing an exercise that places a, 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 a lot of strain on skeletal muscles especially the eccentric um, exercises so um eccentric muscle contraction in case you're unsure is when the muscle is lengthened during activation so for example the likes of downhill running um, is is eccentric muscle contraction or another example would be when you elongate your arm with dumbbells in it so you're stretching the the muscle but it's under it's under pressure at the same time yeah it's uh yeah it's something that i think a lot of people will have experienced and they might not understand why or um, what's going on behind it Uh, but symptoms typically occur sort of between 12 and 24 hours after a workout or after a a heavy endurance run and and DOMS really makes the muscles feel tender to the touch mostly people will notice stiffness you know so that horrible feeling when you're coming downstairs in the morning um, you know you can feel really stiff um, and, and also it can result in a reduced range of movement, uh, mainly because of this stiff feeling um, and that there can sometimes be swelling and, and just general muscle fatigue. Um, so what can uh, people do to prevent and relieve these symptoms, Karen? Well, you'll probably find that you've got less DOMS the more running practice you have in place. Um, but if you do suffer, um, um, consider um, do you need to have a rest day or some light training? So just give the, the muscles um, a, a, a some rest. Um, so you could do that. You may be able to ease the aches and pains by movement and light activity. I do think swimming's good for that. So you could just do another activity for a day just to try and um, and sort of use the muscles in a different way, but in an easier way. Also, gentle massage can help um, as can um, using magnesium salt baths, as, as I do, and I'm sure you do as well, Aileen. And also spraying the magnesium oil onto the affected muscles. That can really help the muscles to relax. And you tend to massage, or I I tend to massage that in. So you've got the dual um, support of the, the actual spray itself of magnesium and then the massaging that you're doing to to, to um, help it absorb. Yeah, I do use both of those products, Karen. And I, again, mm-hmm. I'll put a link into the show notes so that people can find them. Yeah. Um, so that's what we sort of can do um, physically. But nutritionally, um, what you can do to help minimise DOMS is ensure that you've got optimal protein intake. And we did talk about that quarter of a plate of protein as part of your foundational uh, protein intake. Um, but you also, you know, if, you, if you're if finding that DOMS is a major issue for you, increasing your protein intake and, and especially consuming some protein after a heavy training session uh, can be useful, but you need to, it needs to be something that you're doing consistently um, to make a difference. Um, so using milk-based drinks or whey-based protein powders can be supported because these 
are high in what's known as the branched chain amino acids, so leucine, valine, and isoleucine, and they're all very important for muscle recovery and repair. Um, and the other thing that you could um, think about is including foods that contain omega-3 fatty acids because they support anti-inflammatory actions. So within the omega-3s, DHA and EPA fatty acids decrease the secretion of inflammatory molecules, and they also support the production of anti-inflammatory molecules. So that can really um, be supportive in just um, down-regulating the inflammation that might be going on as, as a result of DOMS. Um, so to get the DHA and EPA into your food plan, um, we'd suggest adding oily fish and seafood um, on a regular basis. So, you know, two or three times a week would be supportive. But if you don't eat fish, you might want to consider a DHA, EPA supplement. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that, another couple of things, if, if you find that it's week in and week out that you're suffering from DOMS, it might be a good idea to look at some of these nutritional um, interventions. Yeah, absolutely. Aileen, some sound advice there. Okay, so we're covering a lot today, I have to say. And next up is all about mindset. So so that mojo advice. So what we're going to do today is to talk about consistency. So Aileen, what can you say about consistency? Well, I'm sure we've mentioned this before, but um, consistency does get results. Um, So we need to have consistency with nutrition and with training and also with recovery rituals. And that's why we're sort of like treating this GNR series and also the London Marathon series that we're doing from a holistic point of view. So we're not just talking about nutrition, we're talking about everything that a runner needs really. Um, And the thing is about consistency, it does build your endurance. Um, It will help prevent injuries and it also gives you confidence in your your own abilities and will help you be prepared. But, you know, we've got to think about the mindset aspects of this. So first of all, to be consistent, you need a plan and you also need self-discipline to stick with it. And if life gets in the way of a training session, as I said earlier, you need to reschedule it as soon as possible so it happens. And it's the same I think when it comes to food and nutrition, um, you need to plan, you need to prepare, and then you need to eat it. Um, and and the recovery rituals are the same, you know, plan what you do and then do it. But it's all, I think, about setting yourself up for success. So it's the plan, prepare and do. Um, and if all of the elements don't happen, don't beat yourself up. Just think about how am I going to step back on the plan for tomorrow, for the next day, for the next week. Um, so just sort of, you know, get into that mindset. Consistency is important. And all I have to do is plan, prepare and do it. And and that equals consistency. Yeah, I really like that idea of plan, prepare, do. Um, And that's easy to think about, isn't it? But at the same time, like you say, Aileen, just don't beat yourself up about it. If it doesn't happen on a particular day, just sort of step back on to that plan. And and what I would say is if you are having real problems with being consistent, it might be worth considering um, joining our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners programme because every week as part of that programme, we have... um, 
a Zoom coaching circle. And that's really an ideal place to to get some personal help from us. And we that's on a on a Thursday at one o'clock and um in the afternoon and then again in the evening at seven o'clock. So you've got two opportunities in the day to to come along and just get some support from both of us. So do listen to the end and um we'll give you all the details regarding the Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program. Okay, so Aileen, um, we're going to need to wrap it up fairly soon, but we can't go without looking at the fun, the, the fun factoids. Um, so what, what, what factoids have you got for us today about the Great North Run? Um, I don't know whether I've got any factoids, um, but I thought what we'd do is following on from last week, and we talked about uh, the big whys. And one of the big whys for doing the Great North Run uh, for many people is to uh, raise money for charity. Um, and some runners do it specifically to raise money for a charity and others raise money as an add-on. Um, and I'm one of those. And, and I think, but I always just think if I'm, if I'm going to do it, I should raise some funds too. And it's it's the only race that I ever um, have done for charity. You know, there's lots of other races during the year, but that's the one that I think, no, this is the one that I'll um, I'll do a charity run for. Oh, that's really great. So which charity do you support, Aileen? And, and do you change it each year or is it the same charity each time? Um, no, it's it's, um, it's more or less the same every year. But uh, in the very first year, I decided at the last minute to support uh, the Bobby Robson Foundation. So Bobby Robson, famous football manager, for those people that know about him and, uh, you know, big figure in the, in the Newcastle area. And um his foundation had just been set up that year. He, he died sort of shortly before that. Um, and so it was sort of top of mind. And to be honest, you know, I hadn't thought about doing it for charity. I'd done all my training undercover because I was so, it was so out of my comfort zone and not many people knew that I was doing the, the training. But when I got to maybe a month before and I knew I was ready, um, I thought I was ready to <laughs> out myself to the world. And uh, so I put the words out and I got really amazing response. And, um, you know, I, I, people were throwing money at me. It was it was really fantastic. Um, and then, you know, very sadly, shortly after that first Great North Run that I did, my mum passed away very suddenly. So the following year when I was doing my second Great North Run, that was sort of just before her anniversary. So I decided that I would run in her memory for the, and I did it for the Stroke Association. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've done that every year since. I've, it's just always been the Stroke Association. Um, and I do that because, um, you know, they're a great charity and they're always really appreciative. You know, they always send you a good luck card and a thank you card afterwards and it's handwritten and you just really feel as though they appreciate you know they've noticed what you've done and um you know they're very very appreciative and and it's also really nice for me too when you know when I put my just giving page up people um you know friends and family do send really nice messages of support Mm -hmm. uh, as well as their donations and you know I just always go into it saying it doesn't matter what I raise um but you know I'm just happy to get the you know a little donation and um, most of all an encouraging message of support because that keeps me going uh, during my training too. 
Yeah, speaking about motivation earlier, Aileen, that's another form of motivation, really, isn't it? Sort of uh, receiving all this positive messages from friends and family on the Just Giving or whatever platform you use. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's a lovely thing. Yeah. So I'm just wondering how many charities are represented at the Great North Run. Have you got any idea? Absolutely no idea, Karen. Um, I mean, I, I, I did sort of do a little bit of Googling before we spoke today, um, mm. but I, I, I couldn't find anything. I mean, I, I know that there must be hundreds uh, because there are all the big charities, which are the household names that everybody will know about. But there's lots of smaller local charities that people run for, too. Mm. And it's really inspiring to see what charity people are running for. And and also, if they're dedicating it um, to a loved one, people will, you know, they'll have a name on their back saying running for. And um, that's an interesting, you know, when you're, when you're on the course and you're running around, you're seeing all the different people running for charities. Um, yeah. It's quite uplifting. Yeah, absolutely. And you were saying, Aileen, earlier that the Stroke Association sent you like a good luck message and then a congratulations message afterwards, which is really personal. I think that's a really lovely idea. And I'm just wondering, do the charities do anything to support the runners actually on the day? Yeah, they do. They're they're absolutely amazing. I mean, the big charities have supporter double-decker buses along the route. I don't know whether they're help sponsor the race but you know you'll there's at least a dozen and uh you know they're all cheering the runners on and and then at the end of the the race when you get to the finish line there's a tented village and all the charities there have you know their own tents and they're offering refreshments and sometimes free massages and maybe a bit of first aid <laughs> for the runners um so uh, yeah they they're very appreciative and um yeah, it's there's a lot of good support out there. So yeah. yeah, I'd encourage people to and everybody sometimes people don't want to run for charity because they say, Oh, I'll I'll be forced into raising a certain amount of money. But mm-hmm. I've certainly found with the Stroke Association there's never any pressure. And okay. um, you know, you know, I've always you know, it wouldn't have mattered if I'd not raised a lot. I don't think they would have minded. Um so I think it's different for different charities, but it's not um it doesn't have to be a put off, I think. Yeah. And also, I think it depends whether you've got your place through the charity or whether you've got your place through the ballot, but you're raising outside yes. of that. I think my my understanding is if you're if you've actually got the place through the charity, then there's more of an emphasis on how much that. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I have my place separately yeah. and uh, and then I just nominate to run for historical yes. association yeah. So, yeah that's maybe the what you yeah yeah um, absolutely that's the difference okay well I have to say Aileen that means the end we have to round up now <laughs> we've been chatting for quite some time now but before we do go could you maybe give us your key takeaways and tell us what's planned for our next Great North Run episode yeah sure Karen so the message to take away um, today is be consistent with your nutrition your running and your recovery plans Um, if you're an early morning runner we'd suggest you try out faster state running for easy runs under 90 minutes and for all runs over 90 minutes ensure you eat your pre-run meal or snack two hours before you run and if you can't fit in a pre-run meal then have a quick release snack um, 30 to 60 minutes before you run um, 
we'd suggest that you add in some dynamic stretching before you go out for a run and some static stretches post-run. And remember to um, try out your foam roller for that uh, self-myofascial release. And if you are experiencing DOMS, consider a rest day, some light activity, some light massage, maybe some magnesium bath and oils, and eat more protein and essential omega-3 oils. So there are key takeaways for today. Uh, we hope that everybody's found today's episode uh, helpful. Uh, next time, we're going to be talking about making a, a mini plan to practice pre, during and post fueling. So we're going to be talking about food and hydration and electrolytes too. And that's going to be episode 104. And that will be out on the 7th of July and will be at nine weeks until race day. So make the most of the next four weeks, everybody. And until then, enjoy your running. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy your training and do let us know how your training's going. And um, we're always interested to see how everybody's doing. And like we said, said earlier, if you're having any sort of hiccups or anything, let us know and uh, we'll do what we can to help. So thanks for that, Aileen. Um, that's been a great uh, discussion. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to focus on your nutrition as a vital part of your Great North Run race training plan. During this series, we hope to cover all the vital information you require to have a great race day. Karen and I would love to help you even more, and we decided the best way to do that is to make you a very special offer to join our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program. It's a program designed for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your run training. The program includes downloadable menu ideas, food lists, meal plans and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. But we think the icing on the cake is that part of this program is that you're invited to our weekly coaching circle and we have two short Zoom sessions every Thursday at 1pm and 7pm UK time. So you'll get an opportunity to speak to us in person, to ask questions and get our personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. We really want you to get the best results from this summer's training, so we're hoping that you'll take up our offer. We're offering the program at a very special price of £97. The full price is £297, so that's £200 off the full price. So that works out at less than £1 a day over 16 weeks, and there's a multi-payment offer too. So we really hope that you don't miss out on this very special offer. If you'd like to join the program, please book, book via our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Look at the Work With Us page and scroll down to Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners and use the coupon code RACE, that's R-A-C-E, to get the offer. We'd love to see you there and we'd love to meet you in the Zoom room. Thanks very much for listening. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. 
They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Active Wear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.